Good morning, everyone. So good to be with you this morning. I'm so thankful for all four campuses joining us together for this message today. And uh, I'm just thrilled for what God is doing at One Chapel. Would you just take a moment and would you thank God for each other, for every campus? Come on, let's just lift it up and let's be thankful for what God's doing in our church today. So, so good. Now, most of the team is, uh, most of the leadership team is on a missions trip to Israel. And it's an opportunity that we received and we've kind of been planning for. And it's really a, a bit more than, than just going and seeing sites. It's actually getting involved with some of the organizations that are bringing the gospel to the Jewish people in that part of the world. And we're we're super excited about that idea. And so there's going to be more trips that uh, you can join us on as we go there. And so uh, I want you to pray for the lead team today as they're there, uh, just experimenting and kind of checking things out and, and looking at what uh, Jesus wants for us at One Chapel and how we can bless God's people. And so that's part of the reason we're doing this simulcast today. Now, I want to take a minute here, and I want to announce some pretty big news. Now, a bunch of you have probably already heard about it, but One Chapel Austin actually came to the, the moment where we could purchase a new church building. Now, I am super excited about this because we've been looking for years. Like, it's been really challenging for One Chapel Austin, and it's a permanent place where we can launch other campuses. It's a permanent place here in southwest Austin that I'm so excited about. Now, it is another church building, and that church is named Austin Cathedral. And we actually had uh, a night of worship there, and uh, Pastor Bill Hart, who is the pastor of Austin Cathedral, and I were talking about what it would look like for us to purchase that building, and, and so we were just trying it out, and I'm so excited about this. Now, just a word about Pastor Bill. Pastor Bill's such a phenomenal pastor, such a sweet man, has invested 50 years of ministry. And so he's, as he's going into his next season, I think he's looking for some freedom and flexibility. Uh, but, but, but finding him and connecting with him has really been miraculous. And this building purchase, I think, is miraculous. First of all, it's miraculous because it's a miracle to find a building within a five-mile radius of this current location. It's, secondly, it's a huge miracle to find a building within a five-mile radius of this current location that we could afford. And then uh, thirdly, it's a miracle that this church, Austin, Austin Cathedral, is going to join our community of one chapel. They're going to become part of our family. Pastor Bill is going to come over here and he's going to he's going to be part of our family and their team and I'm super grateful for that. Like that's just a a miracle in the body of Christ. We close on the building March 31st. And so we'll we'll retain possession of it after that and then there'll be a a, a renovation period where we'll go through a season to renovate and and do some new stuff in the building. The Big C Church is big, and this is an opportunity for us to express unity in our city, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And I'll be updating you along the way. Uh, I'm going to have uh, a lot of updates over the next few weeks and over the next uh, 
couple of months to make sure you know what's happening and what we need to do as a church body uh, to make this move. And so um, today... We're in this series that we've been in, and it's really been an incredible series. It's called How to Pray, uh, a simple guide for normal people. And I, I love this series because it's been such a refreshing look at the Lord's Prayer. And we're looking at this prayer in kind of a, a different way than I've ever looked at it before. It's based on this book of the same title by Pete Gregg, uh, How to Pray, a, a Simple Guide for Normal People. And, uh, and what he's done is so incredible. And they've got tons of resources if you pick up that book and you can check that out. All our resources are at onechapel.com slash prayer if you're trying to uh, just grow in your prayer life uh, as we all are together. And so today we're going to look at a, a, a topic in this series as we, as we work our way through the Lord's Prayer. And this topic today is, we get to this phrase, and it's really a meaningful phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want us to just pause here for a moment, and I want to invite you to pray this prayer as we begin our time together opening the scriptures. Come on, would you say this prayer with me, the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I want you to notice here, as we were saying that, that when Jesus was asked by his disciples in Luke 11, Lord, teach us to pray, that he didn't just turn to them and say, well, when you pray, you start with, our Father, give us bread. No, he started with several things before he ever got to provision, and I think this is so big that Jesus is teaching us something profound here in this prayer, that it's, this prayer is not just something you quote, but there, there, there are things in it that you live out. That we, that, we, that we live out in our lives and, and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our jobs and with our family. And so the first thing I want you to see today in your message notes is the way you pray is the way you live. The way you pray is the way you live. Jesus knows that we are in prayer what we end up being in life. The way we are in prayer is the way we end up acting, is the way we end up treating other people. The way we are in prayer is, begins to work its way out into our daily lives. I, I wonder if you've ever met a person who just seems to talk about themselves too much. Like they, just, like they just kind of incessantly, you know, kind of have the humble brags and they, they kind of, you know, talk about themselves just a little too much. Like, you know, enough about me. What do you think about me? And I think there's a, the, the way we make friends, there's a problem here. Like 
when a person is too focused on themselves, the way we do business, the way we make a marriage, the way you train kids, is we, we train one another the best way to live with these people is to ask questions, be interested in others, be interested in what's happening in someone else and helping others succeed. There's something really powerful when we get that because here's the thing, prayer is not just about you. Prayer is bigger than what you're experiencing. It's about getting to know who God is and what he's interested in. Don't be the kind of person who just talks about themselves. When you do that with God, he's, you're missing something. He, he's interested in you for sure. But he's also interested in something beyond you that he wants to involve us in. And Jesus in this prayer, I think, is giving us a framework. It's a framework for life. It's a framework on how to live when you follow the form of this prayer, when you begin to realize that you start with our Father and there's this relationship, this love, this, this really intimate dynamic between us and God that there's this incredible opportunity to worship Him, hallowed be your name, acknowledging who He is with respect and, and with honor. And then this, this phrase ends up coming right up at the top. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're always praying about yourself, you'll be absorbed in your own life. If you're always praying for your stuff, you'll always be thinking about your stuff. If you're always praying about your sins, you'll be really aware of everyone else's sins. Because that's how it works. Whatever you're fixated on, ends up being the filter for your life, and you, you project it onto other people. And if you don't pray, if you decide, well, I'm not going to pray, you feel very alone. But if you surrender your life in prayer, if you're thankful, if you're willing and connected to God's purpose, if everything's not about you, you begin to be a blessing to other people. You begin to be a blessing to God himself. And personally, what happens is you begin to find meaning and fulfillment in your own life. Listen, God's trying to get you and I to lift up our eyes and see what's happening around us, to see what he's doing. He's saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, he says I want you to say that. I want you to lean into that. Because here's the truth. Here's, some of you are thinking about this phrase. You're like, what does that actually mean? What does it mean for heaven to come to earth? Here's what I think it means. This phrase means, God, what are you doing in the earth and how can I cooperate? God, what are you doing in the earth and how can I cooperate? What are you doing in my neighborhood and how can I cooperate? What are you doing in my career and how can I cooperate? What are you doing in my family? How can I cooperate? What are you doing in my city, my nation? What are you doing in the world? And how can I cooperate? How can I be a collaborator with you? How can I do what you're doing? Listen, Jesus is saying, get out of your own head and start praying for God's kingdom to come in your life and in the lives of others. Lift prayer out of its introspection and into what he's doing.
you can and should influence the world around you. It's God's design for you. It's what you were made for, to make a difference in the world. Listen, your prayers matter. It matters to your life. It will, in fact, determine your life. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is what Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom, about this prayer. The second thing I want you to see today is it's a kingdom, not a democracy. It's a kingdom, not a democracy. And I think this is so hard for us as American Christians, like we get this idea. It's easy for us to start treating God like a political candidate that we evaluate to see if we really like his platform and what he's, his ideas and what he's got going and what he can do for us before we vote for him. That's not our relationship with God. That's not how Jesus teaches us in this prayer. It's a kingdom. And the kingdom is not based on our whims or our opinions or our votes. <laughs> He's the king, whether you vote for him or not. <laughs> He's the king, and he rules and reigns. Now listen, he is a servant king. He rules and reigns as a benevolent dictator. He loves you and me so deeply. And the truth is, he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to force his rule into your life. You have to invite him. You can reject him. That's a truth. But that doesn't mean he's not king. And I think so often when we pray, we want the benefits of God's kingdom without the authority of God's kingdom. But it comes with it. And, and the truth is, the truth is, God's authority in your life will clear the way for so many wonderful blessings. But you can't have the benefits and the blessings of the kingdom without the blessing of his authority, his rule. And please understand, you know, it's, it's obvious. Just look around in our city. Look around. Look at the news. Look at, look at our culture. Earth is not heaven. This isn't heaven. Things are not right. There's sin. There's injustice. There's violation. And most of that has to do with people's will and the rejection of Christ's authority. The rejection of God's authority. Because there are, listen, some of you have heard me say this before, but there's four major influences in the universe. And this is a way to look at what's happening in our time and in, on our planet. First, there's God's will, right? What does Jesus say in this prayer? He says, I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So that means that God's will is always done in heaven, and it's not done here on earth, all you got to do is look around. You can see it. Listen, in heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's, there, there are no doctors. There, well, there's probably some doctors, but they're, they're, they're not practicing. They're not practicing. There's, there's nobody suing each other. There's probably lawyers there, I don't know, but, but they're not practicing. You see, there's a there's a power that we're tapping into when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're bringing heaven to earth when we pray that. And the second force is Satan's will. Because there's a spiritual war going on all around us. 
There's a spiritual war in the earth. You have an enemy, and you can't act like you don't have one. And there's a, there's a, there's a desire that Satan has to disrupt, to distract, to destroy, the Bible says. To kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10 says. But Jesus comes to give life. That's what God's will is all about. It's about life. And so there's a choice between destruction and life. But the, there's a third force in the universe, and it's man's will. It's every person on the planet has a, a will. People can make horrible decisions that influence other people, that, that ruin people's lives, that ruin their own lives, that violate others. Every day this happens all over the planet, and it's a tragedy. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to embody our prayers. That we need to become our prayers. Man's will is forceful, strong. And you can decide whether you're going to bring life or destruction because you can choose. Fourth force at work in the universe is natural law. This is the fallen world. There are, there are bacteria, there's viruses, there, there's earthquakes, there's all kinds of things that happen in our broken down, fallen world. And sometimes it's, as you see these four forces at work, it's hard to figure out who's the initiator of these things that we're looking around at. And sometimes God gets blamed for stuff that he has nothing to do with. God doesn't need to manufacture any terrible, destructive things in your life. There's plenty of brokenness in this world. And that's why he's all about bringing life and he's all about bringing blessing. But you, get, you and I get to choose whether or not we serve this king. We get to choose whether or not we're working with the king, that we're collaborating with the king. Because make no mistake about it, he is a loving king. This is not a fairy tale we're talking about. It's a kingdom, though, with, with laws and boundaries that have our best interests at heart. And his will and his purpose is what is the, the, the thing that brings love and joy and peace and power into this world. And I want you to think about that as we're praying this, as we're, as we're spending time in this prayer a way to think about it would be, you know, a kingdom has castle walls with protection. And there's, there's, there's orders from the king that create protection and authority that is extended throughout the kingdom that has protection and rules for our lives, for our welfare. And the tension we're feeling right now as we live our lives is that the kingdom is in us, but not yet fully realized out in the world, maybe not even fully realized in your own heart. But the king has a purpose and a plan for you. God is advancing his kingdom here on earth toward that final day when Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom again physically right here once and for all and makes everything right. And I, 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 have, one, I have a question that I want you to get here as, as we talk about this. Is it possible... Is it possible that God might ask you to do something really difficult to help usher in his kingdom to this earth, 
to your surroundings, to your family? The answer to that is yes. He might ask you to do something that is challenging. He gave his son for this very challenging task of bringing the kingdom into the world that we live in. And we see Jesus bringing his kingdom of miracle power and, and, and healing and authority in the scriptures as we look at it. And he, he comes to the end of his life and he's about to go to the cross and we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke twenty two forty two, And it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I want to submit to you that this is our prayer internally, that we must yield our will to God himself, to his kingdom plan, his kingdom purpose. The king has given us a commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And we've got to go into this world with his love because of his directives to us. And the prime directive is that we should love each other and we should love people. Love God and love people. And that's what the kingdom is all about as it advances. And then finally, number three, thing that I want you to get today is that the kingdom is a community. The kingdom is a community. And I want you to notice something about this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Have you ever noticed that the Lord's prayer is plural. It's plural. It's not singular. It's not my father. It's not give me this bread. It's not forgive me, although it is implied, right? Like, like I, he'll give you bread. He is your father and, and you are forgiven. But Jesus teaches something here that helps us understand the nature of his kingdom and how he wants this kingdom to function, this kingdom community. This kingdom implies a big group of people. Listen, you're, you and I are part of something huge that God's doing in the planet. We're part of something big that God's doing in our city. We're part of the big C church. We're part of what he's doing all around this Austin region. And this kingdom is communal in its essence. So let me ask you another question. Does the kingdom of God thrive in a person who is isolated and alienated from other people? Does the kingdom of God thrive in a person who's isolated and alienated from others? And the answer is no. It's almost obvious. Then the question is, how does the kingdom of God actually travel? How does the kingdom of God come alive in someone? Is it just a concept? Is it like just a supernatural like essence that floats around us? Is it like a vague and nebulous spirituality we're trying to achieve? No. No and no. The kingdom of God runs through relationships. The kingdom of God travels through relationships. The kingdom of God makes its way into the earth through flesh and blood. That's what, that's what happened when Jesus brought it to us. His flesh and blood came to the planet 
and began to express to us what this kingdom was all about. And it's how we share the kingdom with other people. It comes through these relationships. The kingdom is compared to a seed in the scriptures that goes into a person's heart. In Mark 4.30, it says, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed, smallest of all the seeds on earth. And there's an entire story in Mark 4 about the condition of people's hearts as that seed goes in, because that's how people hear the gospel. They get the seed of the kingdom inside of themselves. It doesn't just dawn on them. It's not the result of a new level of consciousness that we get. No, it's something more significant than that, more relational than that. The kingdom is always connected to people who are planting seeds. The kingdom travels from person to person, from group to group, and from community to community. That's why Jesus took all his community and he sent them down the road to the next community because that's how the gospel works. That's how the kingdom travels. And that's why we pray this prayer together. We gotta pray this prayer together. Praying this plural prayer reminds us that we're not alone, that we're not by ourselves, that we belong to something bigger and greater. Praying God's kingdom is to come is such a powerful idea because it's about people and their hearts and their lives. Listen, healing comes through intimacy with Jesus and through intimacy with people. The kingdom comes through intimacy with Jesus and intimacy with people. Brain scientists are now concluding what the Bible has said all along, that love between two people, when two people really love one another, when there's intimacy that is vulnerable and connected, it's not time, it's not information, it's not even revelation that heals. It's love that heals. It's love is expressed and experienced between two or more people is the thing that heals the most tragic trauma. That's the power of the kingdom. It's one of the first things in the Bible that God said something was not good was when he said about Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And that's not just about marriage. That's about all of us. It's not good for anybody to be alone. We need one another. And on this group's Sunday, I wanted to encourage you that the kingdom of God comes alive in a small group. When there's openness and vulnerability, when we understand that there's a place where we can belong, where we are known and needed, then there's something supernatural that happens there. But it happens with relationships. Spiritual growth in this kingdom Spiritual growth, the way people grow, is a reality that is the direct result. It's the direct result of community. It's a direct result of the way people function in community. That's why I believe so strongly in groups as a place where we express the gospel of Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't work for you just to come and sit in chairs and sit in rows. We've got to also sit in a circle with some people who are real, flesh and blood. And we gotta share our lives with them and they gotta share their life with us. This is how the kingdom comes alive. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 is a cornerstone scripture for one chapel. And in the New International 
version, it's, it talks about speaking the truth in love, but I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible because here's what it says. It says, God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Listen, One Chapel, at all locations, I just want you to really get this. Groups are not just a kind of an alternative, kind of an add-on, a side dish, some kind of menu item. No, it is mandatory in the kingdom of God for you to be known and loved. (laughs) To be known and loved anyway, because we've all got dirty laundry. We've all got baggage that we bring. And so this is the power of working together. And I want to encourage you, to find a group today. As, as we dismiss in a few moments, you go out there and you talk to some people. Listen, we don't just need a friendly church. We need a church where you can find real friends. That's what we're called to do. And I want you, all of you leaders, when you start having your groups this semester, you make sure it is a place where people feel safe, where people feel cared for, where people feel loved and embraced. And if we'll do this together, we will see something powerful happen. We'll see an explosion of God's kingdom coming to the planet. His kingdom, heaven coming to earth, and his will being done in our lives. And so I want us just to pause right here and let's pray and you're going to be dismissed. And I just, want us to, I just want us to pray about this very subject. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want you to take a moment and I want you to ask him this question right where you're seated. God, what are you doing and how can I cooperate? What are you doing? How can I be part of it? Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you and we are here in this moment and we want you to forgive us for being self-absorbed, talking about ourselves too much. Forgive us for kind of picking and choosing which directives we're going to respond to that you give us. Forgive us, Lord, for kind of going on our own way and our own path. Lord, we choose today to surrender to you We want your kingdom to come in our hearts. We want your kingdom to come alive in us, in our families, in our our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in, in this church. Lord, we want your will to be done. And so, Lord Jesus, we choose you. We choose to collaborate with you. We choose to be part of your purpose and part of your plan. We want you to show us, lead us, guide us this week. Put us in a a community of people where we can experience your kingdom love and kingdom life. Let it come alive in our church because the world needs it so bad. The Austin needs people who will be so secure and so known and loved that they'll reach out to people who are in need and who are unlovely. Lord, that's that's what we want. That's the kind of church we want to be. So Lord, lead us, guide us today. Help us to pray with passion, with love, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.